Hey guys, welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from old mindsets, paradigms, mental constructs, spiritual strongholds, (laughs) whatever it is. While pressing on, of course, to the new, I want to thank you if you are a returning subscriber. Thank you for your time. If you are new to this podcast, I hope that you get more than you expected. And thank you for connecting with us to listen, to learn, and to grow. As you probably know by now, I'm a veteran educator. been an educator for almost 30 years now. I started early in life in the city of Monterrey in Mexico. I studied uh, the multiple intelligence theory under Harvard professor Howard Gardner. I applied the theory into the classroom. I also studied uh, the early onset of childhood depression through the University of Navarra. I've always been interested in human behavior, always, and uh, the combination of education and uh, biology. This is the mind-body connection. And therefore, I have an undergrad in psychology, a master's with uh, Liberty University in uh, counseling also with a specialty in life coaching, and currently working on my doctorate, on a doctorate in uh, counseling also with specialty in trauma. This is to deal with uh, individuals, to help individuals with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, or any other kind of trauma that they may have experienced in their life. And so it's always been one of my my main interests, actually working on uh, my dissertation currently, soon to start it, <laughs> soon to start it, which is uh, going to take quite a, f- uh, quite a bit of my time. It looks like it's going to take anywhere between a year and a half to two years. And so my, my dissertation uh, question is, what is the uh, correlation between adverse childhood experiences and the adult onset of autoimmune disease? And so it is basically a study of how Uh, adverse childhood experiences or trauma in childhood uh, lead to the development in adulthood of certain uh, autoimmune diseases such as uh, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's disease, celiac disease, uh, Graves disease, uh, diabetes type 1, uh, vitiligo, rheumatic fever, um, gastritis, alopecia, you know, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and so on and so forth, and the list goes on and on and on. Now, please understand, I am not implying in any way, shape, or form that if someone is struggling or suffering from an autoimmune disease, that it is due to some kind of a physical, emotional, or sexual abuse that they endured as children. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that there is a strong correlation between ACEs, which is adverse childhood experiences, and the onset of adult autoimmune disease. And so I've seen this uh, through my practice. I've been seeing people for many years, now recently even more so as a therapist. And so I see this a lot. Now, I don't want to negate the fact that I believe that God can and will heal. I believe that, okay? I believe that the woman with the issue of blood that uh, that we see in the Gospels, the woman with the issue of blood who suffered for 12 years, I mean, she had a disease, she had a hemorrhage uh, that did not cease. I'm going to think about it. She had a period, a menstrual cycle that lasted 12 years. And because of the Levitical law, she was isolated. She was destitute. She was singled out. She was set apart. She couldn't be with anyone else because she was considered uh, not to be unclean. And so you know the story, or perhaps you don't know the story. But let me tell you, the woman about to die because 12 years of hemorrhaging, I mean, I'm sure that her anemia was acute anemia. 
It was pretty bad. She was without strength. She was without hope. Uh, she was without probably a desire to keep going. But <laughs> one day she heard, she heard a tumult. She heard the people, a crowd, following this man that went around healing others. And so she was filled with faith by what she saw. You know, the Bible says, and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Well, the word of God, Jesus, son of God, God made man. He was walking by. People were following him around, almost like a rock star. And whoever he touched, he healed. And so she was filled with faith, a little bit of faith, and that's all she needed. And with that faith, she dragged herself out into the multitude. She was stepped on, trampled on. Uh, she was probably she was probably thinking, I'm breaking the law. I'm going to get in trouble. Nonetheless, she probably thought, <laughs> you know, what do I have to lose? I'm dying anyways. But she told herself one thing, and the scripture captures her thought. She says, if only I could touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. If only I can touch the hem of his garment. And so she dragged herself into the multitude, trampled on, dust kicked in her face, and she made it all the way to the Messiah. And right there, she stretched out her hand, grabbed his cloak, the hem of his garment, and Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And everyone stopped and said, Lord, come on, seriously. <laughs> come on, Lord. Look at all these people around you. Of course, somebody touched you. There's a multitude. And he said, no, 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 listen, listen. Somebody touched me in a way like no one else has touched me because I felt the power flow from within me. And so trembling, I imagine the woman on the ground full of dust and dirt, trembling with fear, thinking I've broken the Levitical law. I'm going to, I'm going to be punished. But when Jesus said, who touched me? The woman, the woman said, it is I, Lord. I have touched you. And, and as you've heard me share this story before, because it's one of my favorites, Jesus, I can only imagine with a great big smile, with a twinkle in his eyes, <laughs> he turned around and he looked at her and he said, my daughter, my daughter, your faith has healed you. Get up and be free. Wow. See, I believe that God still operates just like in the day of the woman with the issue of blood. I, I believe in Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. I, I quote Isaiah 53, 5 when I pray for the, for the sick and by the stripes of Christ, we have been healed. Like I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. And I believe that when I go into a session with a client, I pray if they are believers, I pray with them. If they are not believers, I pray before they arrive. And I ask the Holy Spirit to be our guest of honor. I ask the Holy Spirit to be the great counselor, to be the one that will bring revelation, the one that will give direction, show that individual their healing and to minister to their lives, to give them peace, an overwhelming peace. You see, because I know that I, as a believer, I can't do it. I am very limited in what I know. And although it's been years of practicing, I am very limited. I need, I require, I require God's unlimited wisdom through the Holy Spirit. And so that's kind of a little preface to say that <laughs> I see a lot of people I see preteens, you know, 11, 12 years of age, all the way through elderly individuals that at 60, 70 years of age are still struggling with the trauma of yesterday. 
This past week was interesting because the people that I met with, they all spoke of a common denominator, and the common denominator was their process. They talked about their process. Now, let me tell you, you've probably heard me talk about the process, the power of the process. You've heard me say, some of you are in the middle of a process, some of you are coming out of a process, and others are going into a process, but you can't escape the process. If the woman with the issue of blood had given up during that process that she was going through for 12 years, if she had simply accepted her situation as her lot in life, she would have died. She wouldn't have seen the glory of the Lord manifest through Christ. You know, C.S. Lewis once said, I thought I could describe a state, make a map of sorrow. Sorrow, however, turns out to be not a state, but a process. I once heard someone say, if you quit on the process, you are quitting on the result. And, and you've probably heard me say <laughs> that if you abort the process, you forfeit the blessing. There is power in the process and God's timing is always perfect. Listen, a great example that I've shared at conferences and perhaps at some point here on the podcast, I shared about that little boy that was in his science class and he was uh, either, you know, fourth or fifth grade learning about metamorphosis. They were talking about, you know, the stages that a caterpillar, caterpillar goes through uh, to become a beautiful, you know, monarch butterfly. And so he came home uh, that afternoon after school and he was excited because he had learned about metamorphosis. And so he went into his backyard that had some, you know, uh, beautiful gardens and big trees. And, and so he went out there and he thought to himself, he said, uh, surely I'll find a cocoon somewhere. And so he went out there and he did. He eventually found a cocoon that was hanging from a, a low-hanging branch on one of his trees. And so he went over to the cocoon and, uh, and to find that the butterfly was still inside the cocoon and the butterfly was actually uh, struggling it was, it was struggling to free itself from its enclosure. Now, if you've ever seen a cocoon before, uh, you know what I'm talking about. And so it is a hard, uh, kind of like an exoskeleton, a shell of sorts. And so the butterfly was inside this monarch, this beautiful monarch butterfly was, was struggling to free itself from its captivity, uh, per se. And so the little boy was really, you know, touched by what he was seeing and he felt compassion for the butterfly. He ran into his, in, into his uh, bathroom and he, he opened up the medicine cabinet, and pulled out some tweezers. And so he runs out into the yard and not, not letting anyone know what he was doing because he was so focused on what he wanted to accomplish. He wanted to basically save a life. And so he went out there and he took the tweezers and he very gently, very gently, uh, he found a, a small little opening in the cocoon, one that the butterfly had actually uh, s spread open or, or, or split open. And so he took the tweezers and very gently opened it up and freed the butterfly. And so the butterfly, uh, he noticed, uh, did not extend its wings, but perched itself on a branch. And, and it only in about, uh, took it about 10 seconds for it to lose its balance and to fall to the ground and to wither and die. And so the little boy was, was traumatized, <laughs> to say the least. The poor kid started crying and he thought, oh my goodness, I killed a butterfly, a beautiful monarch butterfly, the butterfly that he was trying to help. And so the next day, you know, feeling sad and, and, and somewhat depressed, he went to school. 
the teacher asked him, said, uh, Johnny, what's going on? You know, what, why, why the long face? And he said, you just don't know what happened. He says, yesterday I ran home and he told her the story. And he says, I was so excited about, you know, the lesson of metamorphosis. And so I went home and there I saw the butterfly. And uh, he said, and I helped it out because it was struggling and I wanted to do it a favor. And he explained how it perched up on a branch and its wings didn't extend and it just fell to the ground, withered and died. And so the teacher said, Johnny, Johnny, you see, Johnny, you should have waited because we were going to end the, the, the lesson today. And so I had to tell you about the, the latter part of the process. You see, the butterfly needs to struggle. It needs to force its way out of the cocoon. It needs to push. It needs to wiggle inside that cocoon. It needs to force its way out because it is in that process during which the blood flows to its wings, allowing the blood to help develop those those intricate parts inside the wing that helps it fly to keep those wings uh, strong. And so he says, because you, you, you interrupted the process, the poor butterfly was unable to fully develop its wings and therefore was not able to do what God called it to do, which was fly. And so when you think about that story, I mean, think about your own life. Think about your life. You right now, listener, you are probably going through a process, just like the people that I spoke to this week. They were all going through a process. Some processes will last weeks, months. Some will last years. Who knows? Even decades. But you're bound to go through a process. And the process is there to help you grow. Yes, I know, you, you, you might differ in opinion. You might think, well, I, I hate this process. You know, I, I don't want to go through disease. I don't want to see my loved ones suffer. I don't want to go through that. And, and yeah, I understand. I totally understand. And when I say that I understand, I really do. Like I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, and I have the scars to prove it to you. Several years ago, a young man entered my office. He happened to be a student of mine. He's about 12, 13 years old. The teacher sent him my way because he'd been crying all morning. He didn't want to talk to them. And so when he came to my office, he sat down and I asked him, I said, what's going on? Why the hurt? Why the pain? And so he went on to explain that for the past two, three years, he had been living under a lot of, a lot of stress at home, that his home was very dysfunctional. Mom and dad were always bickering and fighting. It was loud. It was a lot of drama every day. And that that morning before dropping him off at school, they had announced to him that they were going to get a divorce. And so everything was building up and culminating with a divorce. And so it was, that was the, the final nail that sealed the coffin. So this young man felt as if the world had come to an end. And he asked me that proverbial question, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? You know, we hear that a lot. And so the young man sat down and he said to me, how can this be part of a process? You know, how can this be... How could this bring any good, you know? We oftentimes quote Romans 8:28, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. And that morning I happened to quote the scripture. And he said to me, how can any good come out from any of this? And so I happened to have a picture up on my wall. And it was a replica of Michelangelo's uh, the creation of Adam. You know, the two hands, God's hand, Adam hand, Adam's hand touching, colliding, connecting in in the heavens, you know. You've probably seen it. And so I had that portion of it where you can see the arms and the fingers touching. And so I pulled him very close to the picture. I said, get real close to it 
And so he was probably about half an inch away from it. I said, what do you see? He said, I see a yellow dot. I said, take a step back. What do you see? He said, I see a yellow dot, an orange dot, a black dot. I said, take a step back. What do you see? He said, I see a greater combination of colors. Take step five steps back. What do you see? He said, I see the two fingers connecting. I said, as you take steps back, the picture, your image, the vision that you get of this picture is broadened. It's greater. And you make greater connections, like you're able to tell exactly what it is. But when you're close to the picture, close to the image, focus on one tiny little yellow discolored pixel. That's all you see. You can't make anything of it. In other words, you don't see a masterpiece. All you see is a tiny little dot without form, without any specific shape, without any specific color. But when you take 20 steps back, you see a magnificent work of art. And so he said to me, I see that, but what is your point? I said, right now you are focused on what your mother and father just told you this morning. That's the tiny little dot. You can't make sense of it. You, you, you just don't understand it. It, it just, you, you can't comprehend it. But as you take steps back in faith, as you cast your cares onto Him, as you walk in faith, slowly but surely over time, and I'm not saying I said that this will happen tomorrow. This is probably going to take years. But after years of walking through this process, you will be able to look back as you have walked in faith trusted in God, trusted in the process that He has allowed you to go through, and you'll finally be able to see the whole gamut, the whole picture, the masterpiece, that in the middle of trials and affliction and tribulations, God was putting together this beautiful portrait of your life, and it will eventually make sense. And I'm sure that a lot of you understand this concept very well. You see, transformation is a process. And as life happens, there are tons of ups and downs. It's a journey of discovery. There are moments on mountaintops. How many of you know that? (laughs) But just as many moments in deep valleys of despair. Those are the times when the process hurts the most. I want to encourage you. Whenever going through a process in your life, especially when it's a painful one, I encourage you to do what I told that young man to do in my office. Take a few steps back, not literally, but try to think about the things that God is accomplishing in your life through the process. Now, I'm not saying that God is the one who orchestrates affliction or the one who... uh, brings trials and tribulations into your life. But I will say that he does allow them to happen. He will allow them and they are for a greater purpose. Believe me, if we didn't go through those processes, we would become stagnant, stale. We wouldn't grow. It is only in the stretching of a rubber band that it becomes useful. If you put a rubber band in a drawer and uh, just leave it there for years and never use it, The moment that you bring it out and you try and stretch it, it'll pop 
because it's dried up. It hasn't been used. However, if you have a rubber band that you're constantly using and you're pulling and you're stretching, you're pulling and you're stretching, it will develop a greater strength. And so that's a little bit of an analogy of what goes on in us. As we go through those processes daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, we develop a a certain resilience. Of course, there are those that rather than getting better, become bitter. They just don't find the value in the process and they easily give up. Like I mentioned, had that been the mindset of the woman with the issue of blood, she would have never healed. She would have stayed on her cot in her little room and would have withered away and died. But her resilience caused her to get up. Her faith in the Lord caused her to move. And so I want to encourage you, take a few steps back. Now think about it right now. Just think about your process. Think about your pain right now. You may be in a hospital room right now. You yourself may be ill, or a loved one is ill, or you've lost somebody. Let me tell you that there's always, there's always a reason for that process. I recently officiated a funeral. A friend of mine, his brother, passed away from COVID. And he was a strong man. He was a man who added value to many lives, starting with his family. His beautiful daughters were present, his grandchildren, his wife, friends, family. And the family at that time, which was a pretty big family, several siblings, they were, they were estranged from each other. They were not communicating. They had gone through years of separation. Something had gotten in between. The enemy managed to form a wedge in that family and separate all the siblings. But that day at the funeral, something miraculous happened. You see, although people were sad and crying and they were sharing their testimonials about this young man's life, he was, he was 50, 52, 53 years old. As they were sharing, something happened in the room. I got to speak. I got to share the gospel. I got to pray for them pray with them. And as we were doing that, it was almost like the siblings were encouraged to stand up, to get in line, and to wait to use the microphone to talk about their brother. And as one went up, so did the next one. And eventually, all of them, all of the siblings, there were about six, I believe, were all together hugging one another in front of the congregation, crying and sharing about how their life had been for the past years and how their brother, through his death, had managed to bring them all together. You see, I believe that before a seed bears any fruit, before a seed sprouts, it needs to die. It needs to die. It needs to go through a process. And that family went through a process and brought all of them together. I believe that only those that have gone through a painful process can empathize with those who are going through one. You know, it's easy to say, I feel your pain or I'm sorry, I know what you're going through, when you really don't. 
You know, it's hard to empathize or to understand when you've not been there. And so I can tell you that, uh, you know, my own personal testimony that uh, I've shared perhaps before, you know, I was married at age 18. I was an aspiring entrepreneur, was doing really well financially and felt that it was time. And I, you know, I married my middle school sweetheart and, uh, and we married at 18 years of age. Two years later, David, our oldest, was born. And so we had a beautiful baby. We're 20 years old with a baby. You know, it's kind of a surreal moment. But what got even more surreal was uh, four months later when we would go to the doctor because uh, she was needing a procedure. Uh, and the procedure revealed something that was completely unexpected. What it revealed was uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so it basically revealed that she had cancer. And so Soon after that, and when I say soon, I mean just a few weeks, perhaps a month or so, uh, she was uh, scheduled for chemotherapy. And so here we are, 20 years of age, you know, been married for two years, have a newborn baby, you know, life is great. And then all of a sudden you're hit and you're hit with a tidal wave, a tidal wave of emotions. I mean, I remember sitting there in the waiting room and being called by the doctor and as he looked at me with this long face, you know, he had sorrow. It was like he was going to give me some really bad news. And he looked at me and he said, I think I know what it is. I said, what is it? He said, it's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I said, what is that? He said, well, it's cancer. We need to get her to chemotherapy right away before it starts spreading. And that's exactly what we did. It was only, only like I said, about a month or so later, And she was on chemotherapy. And that's when we dipped into that valley of despair. We were not believers. We had some faith, not a whole lot of faith. We were young, uh, really not knowledgeable of the scripture. We didn't have a whole lot of hope. I'll be really honest with you. You know, all of a sudden, that momentum that we had in our life, the vision that we had for our future, the great things that we could see happening came to a complete and abrupt stop. Or as my dad would describe it, as a red light. We came to a complete stop. And let me tell you, I won't get into details, but I just need to let you know that the process lasted 15 whole years. So at the age of 35, while uh, coming home from work, she announced to me that she felt in her heart that God was calling her home, and that uh, she would soon receive her new residence. And although I was incredulous at the time, simply because she was wearing a morphine patch to calm some of the pain that she was afflicted with, uh, I didn't believe in what she was saying. However, at night when we went to sleep, she reminded me that she would soon be going home and that she released me and that I needed to release her. And so we both prayed and went to sleep. And at 5.30 in the morning, the following day when I woke up, I turned over to say good morning, sweetheart, and there was no response. Uh, She was hugging her pillow, had a great big smile, but she was no longer there. Her body was there, but her spirit had left her body. 
I am omitting uh, a lot of the details, of course. (laughs) Otherwise, this episode would uh, go on and on. And so you can always go back and listen to the whole story. Uh, It is actually my TED Talk that was recorded, and it is also one of the episodes on this podcast. Or you can simply go online, uh, Google my name, and the the title of the TEDx of the TED Talk is "You Are What You Think," and so you can hear the whole story with all of the details. I encourage you to do so, and if you do, make sure that you have a box of Kleenex. It is quite moving, quite touching. Well, the reason that I share this story with you is not for you to feel sorry for me. Believe me, I've I've already gone through that process of people uh, initially, you know, at that time in 2007, coming up to me and feeling sorry for me. But let me tell you. 15 years later, I can only do as I told that young man. You know, I said, step away from the portrait. Don't focus on the pixel. Don't focus on what you lost, but focus on what you're gaining. Look at what God is doing. Look at Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. I mean, focus on those things. I can tell you that in the eyes of many, during those times that we were going through what we went through, Yes, we were walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, we were walking in the deep valley of despair. But you know what? We chose the higher road. We chose not to walk that valley. We chose to simply stay focused on the one who gives life. We chose to count every day a blessing. We chose, as David the psalmist said, this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it. In other words, I am choosing joy. I am choosing the higher road. I am not going to choose fear, timidity, despair. I am choosing power, love, and a sound mind because that is my hard wiring. That's how I have been fashioned, confected. That is how I have been created. And that is what I will choose on a daily basis. And so it's been 14 years since my my wife graduated from this world and went on to be with her creator. It's been 14 years. And I can look back as I have taken steps back away from that portrait, from that pixel, and I focused on the greater picture, on the masterpiece that God has created, I can tell you today that had I not gone through those times, had I not gone through 15 plus years worth of suffering alongside the person that I loved, I can tell you that I wouldn't be who I am today. There's no way. There's no way probably that I would have come to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that we would have, you know, raised our 29-year-old, now 29-year-old son as we did, that he would have become who he is today. There's no way that we would have been ordained to be pastors as we pastored a Spanish ministry for over six years. There's no way that we would have fostered 14 children that came from abusive homes. There is no way that we would have been able to add value to as many individuals as we did during those 15 years. There is no way that my story today would be the same as it is had I not endured the process. There are three ideas or philosophies by which I live that were given to me the night before that she passed away. (laughs) She said to me, first and foremost, 
Live life in such a way so that when you die, the preacher doesn't have to lie about you. <laughs> in other words, live a life of integrity. You know, live a life of transparency. Be the real deal <laughs> at church, outside of church, at work, outside of work, at the grocery store, wherever you go. Live life in such a way so that when you die, the preacher doesn't have to lie about you. That was one. The second one was live a life of purpose. Don't live by accident. In other words, when you wake up in the morning, you better know what you've been called to do. You better know beyond a shadow of a doubt what you were created for. And number three, number three was live life to add value to others. Give, not seeking to get. Add, don't subtract. Multiply and never divide. <laughs> three basic principles to live by. And so I want to encourage you as I close today's episode, I want to encourage you to look at the process as something that will bring good to your life only if you endure it. Only if you endure it. If you're an athlete, you understand what I'm talking about because as you are preparing for a competition, whatever it is, track and field, swimming, uh, weightlifting, CrossFit, whatever it is, running a marathon, whatever it is, you understand that the process, and that's where it's all at. <laughs> Forget about the competition. It's all about the process. And process requires three basic, three basic characteristics from you, and that is intentionality, discipline, and consistency. If you keep those three principles in mind, you will succeed and you will see the blessing on the other side. But just keep in mind, keep this in mind, that if you abort the process, you forfeit the blessing and it's over. You get nothing from it. And do yourself a favor. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't, don't. Pay no attention to those people who say, well, <laughs> you should be complaining, you know, so-and-so has it worse than you. Oh, who cares? I mean, that sounded a little terrible <laughs> coming from me, right? And well, yes, we care. But when it comes to your own process, focus on you. Focus on what God is doing in your life. Grasp it. Run with it. Grow from it. And live out everything that God has called you to be, to become, and to do. Look, take a few steps back from that portrait on the wall. Stop focusing on that little yellow dot. Move back and see that over time, you will see the whole gamut, the whole picture, the whole masterpiece. You, my friend, <laughs> you, my friend, are a beautiful, masterpiece. Don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't ever let anyone judge you based on the process that you're having to endure. No matter how difficult or how ugly it may be, at the end, God is doing something in you and through you. Just be still, know that He is God, and that he's not done with you yet. <laughs> God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Take a few minutes 
take a few minutes, rate this podcast, would you? With a five-star rating, if you liked it. (laughs) And drop a comment. We would love to listen to your feedback, read your feedback, know what what you think about today's episode or any other episode. Your words bless me, they encourage me, and they uh, keep me fueled so that I can continue putting out uh, new content. God bless you guys. I love you, love you, love you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bye-bye.